model of working with those three military hospitals, you know, here they came with a group of people. They had this shared experience. They get to travel back to whatever hospital they came from, and they're reliving these experiences for a long time. What we love is when we hear from physicians going, I don't know what's going on in Vail, but our patients are different when they come back. Welcome to the storm. I'm your host, Stuart Winchester, coming at you in July to talk about skiing and about a very cool program that serves those who have been wounded in combat serving our country. We'll get to that shortly, but first, I want to remind you to subscribe to the free Storm Skiing newsletter at skiing.substack.com. You'll get more context around the podcast and a whole lot more content besides. Episode 19, Cheryl Jensen, president and founder of the Vail Veterans Program. Do you remember your first time skiing? If you didn't learn as a little kid, you probably do. Remember how hard it was? How awkward and frustrating? Now, imagine going through that same process if you've suffered a traumatic injury, if you've lost a limb or the ability to move one. How intimidating is it to even think about that? Today, we're going to hear about an organization that's dedicated itself to getting folks with exactly these sorts of injuries onto the snow or involved in other active sports. The Vail Veterans Program works directly with the U.S. military to identify those who were traumatically injured in combat, but have reached the stage of their recovery at which they're physically and psychologically able to challenge themselves to get active again. And it's all free. The Vail Veterans Program brings the wounded vets and their families out to Colorado and takes care of everything, from flights to hotels to activities and food for programs in all seasons. Today, we're going to learn how they're able to do that from the person who started it all. Let's go. My guest today is the president and founder of the Vail Veterans Program. Since 2004, the Vail Veterans Program has transformed the lives of more than 3,000 military injured and their families through innovative programs that build confidence and lifelong relationships at no cost to them. Cheryl Jensen is my guest. Cheryl, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you so much for having me, Stuart. I'm, I'm looking forward to our conversation. I love talking about our foundation and the incredible work we do. So thank you. So we're doing this at a really appropriate time right after the 4th of July weekend. How was your 4th of July? You know, it was great. It was very different um, here in Vail in that we normally have actually a concert with the Dallas Symphony Orchestra that's a fundraiser for Vail Veterans Program. And as you can imagine, it was uh, canceled. And so we, we did things a little bit differently, but it was still still a special day, that's for sure. How is holiday traffic in the Valley? Did you have a lot of people showing up tour, tourism style or, or is that discouraged right now? You know, oh no, 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 no. Gosh, there are people from all over the country here right now. Um, you wow. know, the, the traffic, we had less number of people in town yesterday because there wasn't a parade and there wasn't a concert, but um, just as far as people in and around any of the resort communities right now, there's um, everyone, everyone is busy, which is great. And we hope that Everyone's just being safe and practicing good social distancing and wearing masks, which is uh, incredibly important, as you know. Well, it's good to hear there's some lively life going on out there. I know it's a weird time for everybody, uh, but let's get right into this. Uh, you founded the Vail Veterans Program in 2004. What inspired you to launch it? Yeah, kind of a crazy story. One, I can't believe it's been 16 years. Um, that, that, first of all, is hard to believe. But, you know, really, you know, when I lived in Breckenridge, um, I volunteered to teach adaptive skiing. So I knew what that did for people with disability. And 
I found myself in Washington, D.C., working on a different project called Sharing Warmth Around the Globe and was meeting with a contact at the Pentagon uh, for dinner. And she was sharing with me that a friend of hers had just visited Walter Reed. And this, if you can imagine, this is October of 2003, so mm. just months after the war in Iraq had started. And I said to her, I looked right at her and I said, what's Walter Reed? And she goes, oh, my gosh, it's our military, you know, army hospital where so many of the men and women who um, are serving in Iraq are coming back very severely injured. Mm. And I just looked right at her. I said, well, we need to bring them skiing. And she sort of looks at me because you have to think back in 2003, there were not a lot of adaptive sports programs, um, especially for the military. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, as as fate would have it, my husband, who was president of AOL at the time, um, about a month later, invited me to attend a flyby at a cocktail party in Vail. You know, just one of those, like, we're going to swing by, say hi to a few people, and then we're going to leave. I said, okay, well, I'll go. And so I walk in the door, and standing right in front of me was a captain who had just lost his leg. Um, and mm. I just said, oh, my gosh, are you kidding? I, I have this idea. What do you think? can't believe I'm meeting you. And he said, sounds great to me. He said, you organize it, raise the money, and I'll get you wounded soldiers. I'm like, okay, sounds great. <laughs> and that was really kind of the start. But I always look back at that and think, you know, I having planted the seed of the idea why I was in D.C. was, was great, but I had no idea how I was going to do it. So I always look back at that and think, you know, what an incre- incredible uh, time to meet him at that moment literally weeks after I was in D.C. And so from that moment, it took about two months, and we hosted um, seven wounded service members, all from Walter Reed, for what was to be a one-time event, and um, the rest is history. So pretty amazing. And how did you go about selecting that group of seven soldiers? Were you looking for uh, soldiers who had experienced skiing? Was that not a factor? What, what, What was the... What was the criteria used to narrow this down to this pilot group? Yeah, you know, interestingly enough, Walter Reed really chose those first seven to attend. And, you know, you think back in 2004, we were one of the first programs. Um, and in fact, we've been told we were the first one to take them out of the hospital setting um, mm-hmm. at that time. And, you know, that the, the criteria still is the same as it was back in 2004 because we not only work with Walter Reed, we now work with um, Brook Army Medical Center and the Center for the Intrepid in San Antonio, but we also work with the Naval Medical Center at Balboa in San Diego. And each of those hospitals have, have recreational therapists that really know who is ready to attend these types of programs. And so that all started you know, back in 2004 where we let the hospitals choose who, who was able to attend. And in general, are these soldiers who have experienced skiing or, or are they are they new to snow is it a mix well it's interesting it's it's a real mix um you know the I, I will say that you know that first year program when we had these seven wounded service members here you know the three days went by and it was incredible and we were all feeling you know that we had done something really good for these these seven um young men they were all they were all men at that time and you know, we thought, wow, okay, we, we did it, right? And the last night of the event, a young man by the name of Heath Calhoun, who had lost both of his legs above the knee, had really, want, he wanted to learn to snowboard. You know, he grew up in Tennessee. He desperately wanted to learn how to snowboard even as a child, but never had the opportunity. So here he was missing both his legs. 
for two straight days, he held the hand of a ski instructor in Vail trying to learn how to do a toe side and a heel side turn. And by the third day, he was exhausted. So he got in a monoski and never looked back. I mean, he, I remember him looking at me going, why didn't you tell me about this? I would have gotten that the first day. I go, we tried. <laughs> and the last night of the event, that young man had come up to my husband and I and said, you know, I don't know why you all did this for us, but you changed my life. And, wow. you know, I mean, no one had ever said that to me in my lifetime. And, and I'm crying and and, you know, we realized we were on to something. And so he is really, I give him so much credit because I honestly think that he didn't say that to me at that time. I, I don't really know if I would have understood the deeper impact that adaptive skiing had done for him, but also for all the others that were here. But to kind of finish his story real quick, he went on to ski in the Paralympic Games in wow. Vancouver in 2010 and then in Sochi, Russia. And I got to watch Amazing. him um, ski a slalom run in, in Vancouver, which was absolutely, you know, up in Whistler, but it was the Vancouver Games. And it was it was incredible. I sat with his parents who had never traveled out of the country before. And here they were in Canada watching their son ski. It was a pretty emotional moment. That's remarkable. I, so, so take us back to that event, Cheryl. I, how were you feeling leading up to it? I mean, were you nervous? Because this is, as you said, it, it's something no one's ever tried before. Uh, you're dealing with uh, soldiers who have very traumatic injuries, and you're trying to give the, them this vector to heal through, right? But, but you don't know how it's going to go. So so how, how did that progress over that week? And when did it start to click that, yeah, this is working, we should do more of this? Yeah, I mean, it really, was I nervous? Oh my gosh, absolutely. I, I remember, you know, we had to connect the dots with sponsors. And, you know, as I said, my husband was working for Vail Resorts at the time. So, you know, the on-mountain stuff was taken care of. The list, the ski instruction was taken care of. I had a friend who was working for then Continental Airlines who donated the tickets. We had, you know, we had to raise a few thousand dollars to make it to make it happen. Uh, but I remember standing on the tarmac at the, at the Eagle Airport when this flight was was coming in and I remember them uh, walking and being wheeled off the plane and I just remember like oh my god what what are we doing like I have no idea what I'm doing <laughs> I can organize yeah. things all day but let's make sure that we have the best ski instructors for them you know the best meals we can provide how do we make you know how do we make them feel like real national heroes which they are so getting the fire department involved with cooking a meal and, and restaurants that rolled out the red carpet. So, oh, absolutely, I was I was a nervous wreck. And and also, you know, you just didn't want them to get more injured, right? And one of the things that I didn't realize until probably um, probably after Heath had talked about that we had changed his life was the next morning when one of the therapists who attended from Walter Reed with him said to me, you know, you need to understand the healing isn't just what happens on the mountain. The healing takes place the minute that they had to get on a public transportation, you know, a, a local town availed bus to take mm -hmm. that to where we were all going to meet for breakfast each morning. And, and the first time that they walked into a restaurant with their new injuries in public, the first time that, you know, they order a steak at a restaurant that, someone's missing their arm they need to ask for help like the therapy mm -hmm. was so much more than what was happening on the mountain it was really about real life experiences away from the hospital and I didn't you know I wasn't kind of connecting those dots at the time and you know if I fast forward 16 years I mean I see it every single program that we do the healing is is 
it, it, sure, some happens on the mountain, absolutely gives them confidence, lets them know they can do anything. But you also see, you know, the first time that they have to, you know, as I said, ride a bus or go to a restaurant in public. So, so there was a, a lot to, a lot of healing that was happening that continues to this day. Um, you know, I always used to say, gosh, you know, before every program, I hope this works. I hope everyone has a good time. I hope we have good outcomes. And what, what we started to see, which was a word that we ended up putting into our mission statement, was um, transformational. So they would come mm-hmm. as one person, and they really left as another because they really could see the possibilities of what their new normal was going to look like. And it, it, and, and like I said, you know, the sort of this healing journey is not just about, you know, they get injured, they spend two years in the hospital dealing with their injury, and boom, they're, they're better. That's not the way this works. And why, you know, over 16 years of time where we created a lot of other programs was really to help them along that path and provide more programs for their families, for their spouses, um, and for them to be able to find, you know, define a new normal, define the, the old story, create the new story. And so, you know, it's been remarkable to sort of see where, where the healing takes place for everyone. How much of that healing do you think is based on the fact that they're doing this together in a group? They're with other veterans who have maybe, if, if not identical injuries, a, a similar disability, a combat disability, right? So how much does it help? to be with other people like them who are going through the same endless recovery that they're going through. And, and when they can get in that kind of group setting, encourage each other, uh, just work through all these little things that the rest of us never even think about. Like, how do you cut your steak if you don't have an arm? I mean, it, it's, it's overwhelming just to think about, let alone having to do so. How much do you think that helps like getting them together in that group and putting them through this program together? Oh, my gosh. I'd say a lot. I'd say, you know, the first night when they arrive, especially to these adaptive sports programs, I mean, they really are at a loss, right? I mean, they, they, they can't, they can barely make eye contact with you. They're nervous. Um, you know, they've just had a long day traveling, you know, which is new to most of them after their injury. And, you know, so it takes about, I'd say 24, you know, 36 hours for them to start to talk to others. You know, usually they've come in these groups from the different hospitals. But what starts to happen is they see someone with a similar injury, especially when we get, you know, when we have um, people with physical wounds. And they um, start to talk to each other about their prosthetics, about, you know, sort of the kind of the bumps in the road that they've had along the way. and, And then think about their training prior to getting injured, right? The, the whole training of the military, no matter which, you know, which branch you serve in, is about a team. It's trusting your team. It's being a part of something. So all of a sudden, you know, they've lost that immediately when they were injured, and now they're, they're trying to find it again. So when we have our programs like, I don't know, our Veterans Path to Success program or our Resilience program, I mean, that is focused just on the veteran. And I'll have to say the most that what we see in the outcomes are, are a lot of, you know, very personal, individual kind of goals that are met and set. But one of the things that we hear time and time again is really, I love being with my brothers and sisters in arms. I miss that camaraderie. I need to be with my team. So it provides, because, you know, one of the things that, I mean, I was not in the military at all, I, I observe this this sort of deep connection that veterans have with one another, no matter when they serve. I mean, we mm-hmm. had a World War II vet that was a part of our program last year, and, 
and just the instant camaraderie and respect that people have with each other because of, of the fact that they served our country. It's amazing. It's amazing to watch. So absolutely, there is definitely a lot of healing that takes place because they're in a they're in a setting with people who are just like them. And when you talked about you know similar injuries, you know there was definitely a a, a peak um, probably about 2009 or 10 of, of physical injuries, and we would bring back um, other veterans who had been to our program before to mentor those newly injured based on like injuries. So if you were a single leg amputee, a double, even a triple amputee, we would try and bring people in who could inspire those newly injured people. And, and mm-hmm. it was, you know, some of those friendships last till this day. It's, it's, it's incredible the connection that they have to one another. Is that part of the program, Cheryl? Do you, do you try to bring in an alum of the program for that first night? Or, you know, I don't know how, how it's structured, but do you bring someone in for a pep talk? Say, hey, you know, when I got here, I, I'd never been on snow before, but now I'm a strong skier and I really found a lot of strength in the mountains. Do you do any of that kind of thing? Um, sure. I mean, I, I think in the beginning, you know, we couldn't really afford to do much of, any, of anything yeah. other than focus on bringing that's uh, from Walter Reed the first couple of years. Um, and then we realized that, that they were some had families, and so we started a family program, and, and you know things started to grow from there. But but bringing in other vets who have taken an incredible path of success, whether it's you know going on to go to the Paralympics or success and just dealing with their injury and how to maneuver this 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 world that can be tough if you're someone in a wheelchair, as an example. Um, so any of those, you know, when we could bring people back who have had great success through our program, who can come back and share those stories, it, it's you could hear a pin drop when you hear, you know, let's let's use Colonel Greg Gatson as an example. You know, West Point football player, uh, you know, went to Iraq, got blown up, lost both of his legs, went on to be an incredible motivational speaker, incredible cyclist, was even even starred in the movie Battleship. If you've seen it, uh, but he, yep. um, he we bring him back often because he is a true inspiration to vets. Whether you are physically injured, I mean, there's definitely a connection immediately, but also, but also on the invisible wound side, where you know he fought his own demons and, and still continues and has gotten through it. And so the fact he could share that story with them and inspire them um, is is really remarkable. So I want to talk a little bit about Vail. These programs take place at Vail Mountain. Is that correct? The ski programs? Yep. But but I want to be clear about this. You're not affiliated with Vail Resorts other than that they're a sponsor, right? That's correct. Yep. As you said, this was kind of a new thing in 2004. What can you tell us about Vail's adaptive program and how that was able to accommodate hosting this group? Well, it's it's interesting, you know. The Vail Resorts Adaptive Ski School is is you know absolutely incredible and has some of the the best certified instructors um, that that I know of. Um, I you know it's set up a little bit differently. So let's say in Breckenridge, which is where I was living before my husband and I moved to Vail, I was volunteering for an organization called Breckenridge Outdoor Education Center, which is a nonprofit that is the adaptive ski school that happens to be based at the resort. So if you're an adaptive skier, you would go through BOEC in order to get your lesson. Vail and Beaver Creek do it a little bit differently in that they just they just have an adaptive ski school. So you go directly to them. 
And, um, you know, in the beginning, you know, they they, they had a, a fairly large adaptive school. It has grown immensely since we started. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just part of due in part to, you know, adaptive sports, whether it's the Paralympics or, or you know, just a way that people have been able to raise awareness that if you were someone of disability, there is incredible programs out there for you. So it has really grown. And, you know, Disabled Sports USA puts on an incredible program at Breckenridge with Breckenridge Outdoor Education Center called Ski Spectacular that hosts, I think it's 600 um, um, people with disability each year. And, and so I think, you know, having the depth of, um, of professionally PSIA, professional ski instructor and snowboard instructors, having them trained specifically in adaptive skiing is is pretty remarkable because if you think of, you know, the types of different injuries there are or cognitive issues, I mean, it's just a long, long list. And how do you have instructors that really can adapt to their student? It, it is fascinating to watch. I, I truly am in awe of all of our instructors that we work with um, throughout the throughout the year, and in awe of what they have been able to do, um, you know, with especially our group, to really help them reach their goals. And you know, when someone shows up, my goal is to just ski a green run on a monoski, mm-hmm. and the next thing they know, they find themselves in the back bowls of the aisle going, I can't believe I've been able to do this in four Amazing. days. And you can't wipe the smiles off their faces. And, you know, what I love is that all of, you know, so many of our instructors who are part of this program, and many of them do come from Beaver Creek also, um, they've been a part of our organization for a long time. So it's so nice for me every year to be able to see so many familiar faces. But then also, too, to expose some of the new adaptive instructors into our program. So it, it's a it's a win-win for everyone. But um, it's it's. Uh, I mean, I'm always in awe of, of ski instructors in general, but it definitely definitely adaptive instructors because it is it is you know can be a challenging job, but they have patience and work with their students and get them to a point of really not just not just reaching their goal but surpassing it. In that 16 years, Cheryl, how much have you seen awareness of the need to accommodate? sit skiers and disabled skiers in general grow, not just at Vail, but around the country. I, I ask because um, there's another ski podcast I listen to often, the Low Pressure Podcast, and he interviewed Trevor Kennison, who uh, was a snowboarder, injured himself. Um, I, I believe it was at in the backcountry around Vail somewhere a few years ago and went on to become this great sit skier and is competing in uh you know, Jackson Hole and these free skiing competitions and everything else. Uh, but he was talking on that podcast about how it, the, the just the trouble he had sometimes even getting on the lift, not not physically that he couldn't do it, but the the lift operators not understanding the protocol or telling him he couldn't ride it without certain equipment. Have you seen at, at Vail Mountain, just in general, the, the awareness of that kind of thing grow over the years and, and have the resorts become better? at accommodating these groups and these skiers? Yeah, I mean, I would say since the beginning to where we are today, night night and day. I mean, you know, in the first couple of years, everyone was learning. I mean, we were learning. You know, Heath Calhoun, as an example, was our first double AK snowboarder. We had never, I mean, no one was ever teaching that at that time. So if you look at 
you know, just an example of that to, okay, now, now he's on a monoski back in 2004 and okay, you know, a regular monoski for the most part, you know, lifties know how to load, but you also had, um, you know, people who wanted to be independent, right. And not, not having um, to have a bucket assist to be able to load. And through time that has gotten better and better and better. I would say that, bringing more adaptive type skiers to any resort is is definitely helping those who are independent adaptive skiers because because when you're in a lesson for four days like at our program those lifties are getting used to seeing people in the beginner lift and in the back bowls and then you know two weeks later independent mono skiers shows up but we know that they've had that experience but they're also trained i mean the minute mm-hmm. you know they all the lifties are doing their training they do train for adaptive so i, I mean i i think they have done an exceptional job you know are you going to get maybe someone who came in to give someone a break at a lift and maybe they don't know exactly how to do it but you also have to remember too and i and i have seen this many many times every independent adaptive um, skier skier loads differently or they like to get off differently right so they they tell the lifties about what speed they like they want to full or they wanted to slow down and 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 i'd have to say you know the lifties are very very aware um and very good at at, at sort of you know um, personalizing each kind of load or unload um so I, we we have seen nothing but just great great service from uh, from the lifties you know at Vale and I know you know other adaptive places like Breckenridge as I mentioned or Winter Park or even Telluride um, you know the same when when you have an adaptive ski school and you have people on that mountain um, you know people need to be trained on how to load them and you know because if you remember you have mono skis you have bi skis. Um, you have some people who are independent, aren't. Um, so it's you know it's not like loading you know, regular stand-up skiers, that's for sure. Yeah, Vail Mountain is uh, is a great place to do this. It seems like because they have one of the best lift systems in the country. Just tons of high-speed lifts on the mountain. Are you able to access, or the skiers able to access that whole mountain once they kind of get the basics down, and if they can handle the terrain, are they able to use all the lifts on Vail Mountain? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we our, our line is that there's this beautiful, so we base ourselves out of um, Gold Peak, which is a base area furthest to the east in Vale. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our goal, they have the, the perfect teaching area with a magic carpet. And, you know, the goal is to get everyone off of the beginner area by the end of the week, right? And mm-hmm. and sometimes, you know, it can be hard. I mean, we're literally in the last hour of the last day, and finally they're ready to go up higher on the mountain. For the most part, people start to graduate day two, day three, and by day four, you know, maybe you have one or two left, but everyone typically has graduated off the magic carpet. And so once they can get them up on the mountain, oh my gosh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's endless possibilities, right? Because there's so much terrain, so many places for them to go. And, you know, ultimately most people know the back bowls avail. And so when we can actually get, some of our skiers in those back bowls. It's as I said earlier, it's it's incredible, and you can't wipe the smiles from the skiers' faces, nor the instructors' faces, nor the volunteers who are usually with them. So <laughs> it's pretty great. Yeah, I was reading some of the testimonials on your site, and uh, someone was talking about 
going from never ever to skiing blue sky basin in the course of that week. And, and that, that, that's such fun terrain back there. I love blue sky basin. So it, it was, it, it made me smile just reading that. So I can't imagine being out there with them and seeing that. Um, so the, the veterans who are coming to the Vail veterans program, they've made enormous sacrifices for our country, you, you know, loss of limbs, severe burns, spinal cord injuries, traumatic brain injuries, the physical trauma here, Cheryl is, is obvious and anyone can see that. Um, but in your experience working with these veterans, how does an injury like that affect a person psychologically? And I know you talked about this earlier with the healing, but, but how does it affect them psychologically and, and how does the Vail veterans program work to help them recover? Well, I mean, I think, you know, you think of how these injuries occurred, right? So, so you just sometimes have to put yourself into that place for them. And, and I, I mean, I can't imagine, and I've heard these stories a lot of, of exactly what's happened to some of them when these injuries occurred. So you think about that. So you think about, okay, there's a physical part, but then the, the, the emotional part, right? The flashbacks to that day. Um, the traumatic brain injuries that occur, the PTSD that they might have had even before that injury, right? You know, mm-hmm. because they have been serving our country, you know, being in war. And then all of a sudden they have an injury and that PTSD may might increase. It might get buried. It might come out five, ten years later, a year later. I mean, there's no – every individual handles things so, so differently and the one thing that I'll say of, of the reason why we've created so many types of programs is that, one, we want to keep them engaged in our program. And we want – because once they come here, they feel um, they feel part – a connection to this community. They feel a part of our Vail Veterans Program family. And they trust us um, because building trust with this population is is one of those things that you have to earn. And when they come here, there is one thing that I have said to every employee that we've had is that you always have to remember one thing. This entire foundation is based on a premise that it is about those we serve first. It's not about us. It's not about our donors. It's about those we serve first. And if we let that be our guiding light, so much happens. And I call it kind of organic healing, right, where if we can if we can gain their trust by by making them feel that they they are here for themselves for their family, we're not here to parade them around Vail and raise money. They are here for their own personal healing. And when they when when you start to see you know them waiting for you know a rush of donors to come in and pat them on the back and give thanks, which is important, but when they realize they can just let their hair down and be themselves. All of a sudden, you start to see this just in- incredible um, uh, way in which they open up about maybe what happened. And it may take a few programs for them to ever talk about what happened to any of us. But we give them the opportunity to talk to each other where a lot of healing happens in that time because they realize someone else has been through something similar. Um, but when it comes to providing things like you know, our, you know skiing and snowboarding, Golf is an example, um, even our Veterans Path to Success program. I mean, those programs help them deal in a non-psychological way, like it's not, it's not formalized therapy. But what it is is giving them the opportunity to, to discover something that they can be passionate about, that they can put their time and energy in, but also, you know, time to um, 
turn off their brain from all that rattling that they get, right? I mean, um, and I and I can't imagine, um, you know, what goes through their head all the time. I mean, I love when one of our golfers, you know, has been to our golf program a few times. I actually saw him yesterday. And he just shared that golf is the one time where his mind is quiet, that all that mm-hmm. stuff that's in there in regards to his past, you know, injury um, of what and, and actually what happened and even what he did prior to his injury in service. Um, golf is the one thing that, that calms him because he can't focus on anything else. And so I think that's where, you know, for sure adaptive sports in general um, is, I mean, it's good for all of us, but it is definitely a healing, um, provides healing to to our veterans who, you know, have physical and or invisible wounds. It's interesting, right, because it's, there's so many different factors there because you have the physical injury, you have the psychological injury, you have the, the adjustment to life, you, you have a very, very long recovery in a hospital. And then you have this great program where you can bring them and their families out. And we'll talk a little bit more about the specific programs in a bit. And and you can introduce them to this really exhilarating experience and this lifestyle and, and, and connect them with others like them and, and start this healing process. At the same time, you only have a week, right? Or, or however many days the programs last. So how do you manage that from a Vail Veterans Program point of view of, of managing your own expectations, right? Of, of being realistic about what you can do with a few days Be, because you, you can, you can provide them a step or, or, or an outlet, but you can't reconfigure their whole life, right? It's, it's just a week. So how, how do you, how do you manage that expectation of, of, of maximizing that time and, and doing the most that you can with what time you do have with them? Right. Well, and that's a, it's a really great question because, I mean, our, our program is definitely focused on outcomes, right? You know, what happens after they leave here and how long, you know, does this kind of high, as you would say, you know, when you, any of us go on vacation, we have an exhilarating experience and we come back and we're just on this just amazing, we just have this amazing feeling inside and we want to keep it. The, the, you know, the one thing that I'll say is our model of working with those three military hospitals that I mentioned is mm-hmm. that, you know, here they came with a group of people. They had this shared experience. They get to travel back back to whatever hospital they came from, and they're reliving these experiences for a long time. And so, you know, what we what we love is when we hear from physicians going, I don't know what's going on in Vail, but our patients are different when they come back. And, and, and that's, you know, that's a tribute to us going, okay, how do we make sure that we keep all the events that we do private? How do we give them opportunity to have some downtime together? You know, I mean, basically every, every, almost every minute that they're here with us is, is scheduled. But the beauty of what we do is provide them with private ski instruction or snowboard instruction which allows them to go on, learn at their own pace, go at their own pace, because, you know, people get tired at different times. People, Some people just want to drive hard all day. Um, and then you provide that time in the evenings for them to, to, for them to be together and talk about those experiences. So it kind of starts to, you, I mean, you see, I mean, my line is they come as one person, they leave as someone else. And how long does that someone else last for? And in our outcomes that we see, for some, it's a long time. For some, you know, the reality is their, you know, their demons come back. And how do we re-engage them and bring them back and try something else that might last a, a little bit longer? 
Um, and, and, you know, that's where I say that it's not, you know, not the same for each person. It's very different. But at the same time, if we can you know, see a smile on their face on day two, because on day one, when they first get here, it's, you know, they're, they're scared to death. I mean, they're just mm-hmm. like, what am I doing here? It could be too soon. I'm never going to be able to do this. I, you know, I just want to go home. And then, you know, and but then you have people who are incredibly eager to go, you know what, I, I did snowboard before my injury and I want to get back out there. I don't care if I'm missing my leg. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where, where it's just very, and it's also, you know, one of the things that we, we control the number of people that attend all of our programs and that's very thought out. I mean, we, if you get too many, what happens, we, we start to lose that intimacy and part of the intimacy of the program is allowing them to want to get to know each other because there is time. And, and, you know, one time I think we did. I don't know, maybe it was about 110 people, and that was about 20 too many because we saw the dynamic mm-hmm. change. Um, so, so it's been you know a little bit of an experiment through time. Uh, but you know, one of the things for us that makes us unique is we don't have an online application to attend our programs, mm-hmm. and it's purposeful because one, we still work with our partner military hospitals, but secondly, we want to invite our past alumni to come back and you know a lot of them have young children now they have families and we want them to come back and experience it and so um, we still you know do about 75 percent of new people and 25 percent returning Um, and that's that's incredibly important because you know if you didn't come to a summer program but you want to try a winter program we want you to be able to do that so um, so we're constantly in contact with them, trying to figure out how we can re-engage them into our program. And can you talk a little bit more, Cheryl, about your relationship with the United States military and and those three hospitals and, and why those are the three centers that specifically you look to find candidates for the program? No, absolutely. I mean, you know, if you remember back in 03, I didn't even know what Walter Reed was. So my, my um, knowledge of the military was very limited. Right. Um, but, you know, we started with Walter Reed. And then if you remember when the, when a lot of the injured was coming back from the battlefield, they were coming back to Walter Reed. But the number of people increased so dramatically over a very short period of time, they had to find other places to put our injured. And so they ended up, you know, I, and I don't remember the year that the Center for the Intrepid was built, but I'm going to guess 2008-ish. Then they had other places that they could they could put, you know, some of the injured people to take them to further rehab because, as I said, you know, this rehab is a long process. You know, it isn't like, you know, six months and you're out. I mean, you could be there for a number of years. And so, um, and so then, then, then at the same time, they were also going to San Diego, um, to the Naval Medical Center. And so slowly, what was happening is people, at least then, like if you were from from Texas and you were injured and you first went to Walter Reed, well, they were like, hmm, we can send you to Center for the Intrepid. <clears throat> You'd be closer to your family, and now we have a place we can put you there. And so um, so we really put a lot of trust into the the staff at those hospitals uh, of who is ready to come because not, you know, as much as people can get really motivated, you know, unfortunately your body can only heal so so fast. And so for us to be able to work with those, you know, recreational therapists, occupational therapists, or orthopedic surgeons um, within these hospitals is really critical to deciding who can be here. 
Um, I'll, I'll share one funny story. There was a, a Marine named Chris Fejmeyer who attended our program in 2005. And when I started this, I called it the Soldier Ski Weekend because I had no intention. Like there was no vision to make this a big nonprofit to be where we are today. And mm-hmm. in 2005, um, Chris came to our program and he goes, you know, it, it was it reminded me a little bit of Lieutenant Dan, you know, from Forrest Gump. Yes. Yeah. Right. And, you know, it's hard to get him to smile, um, kind of angry at the world. And he um, said, you know, can I talk to you for a second? And I said, sure. He goes, you know, I, I just want you to know I think this program's great, but I'm not a soldier, and you call it the Soldier Ski Weekend. And mm-hmm. I said, well, if you're not a soldier, then how'd you get here? And he looked mm-hmm. at me, he goes, ma'am, I'm a Marine. And I go, oh, my God, is there a difference? <laughs> <laughs> I honestly had no idea. And I looked at him, he goes, yeah, there's a difference. And so literally that next day I went, we've got to change the name of our program. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then you know, we, we formalized it and became a 501c3 in 2006. Now, Chris Feshmeyer is one of our greatest success stories. And, you know, Chris, um, you know, fought a lot of demons for a very, 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 very long time. And I'll say up until probably two years ago. And he, um, I mean, he will say, uh, quote, unquote, that he would be dead in a gutter if it was not for this program. And Chris was one of these that we kept in touch with. He has become, I'm I'm honored to call him a friend. Um, And I will say that he, um, you know, really, he really fought a lot of demons, but he fought hard to get through it. And he's through it. He's doing incredibly well. And, you know, Chris was, um, a few years ago, we did a, uh, for our 10-year anniversary, we did a um, CMH heli-ski trip where we took, right, um, we took um, two wounded vets who were missing both their legs, but both were incredible skiers, Chris Feshmeyer being one of those, and Mm -hmm. another vet who was missing a leg, and we we went (laughs) heli-skiing, and at the time, my husband was... Um, CEO of InterWest, and so you know they gave us an incredible deal, and then we found a donor who underwrote the trip, and I ended up taking the head of ski patrol for Vail with me, and two adaptive instructors, and the donor. Just um, so I thought, you know, we need I, I need to feel 100% safe and confident. And we had an, an incredible experience. And, you know, I look back and I think I was so nervous. I never thought of, like, barely taking photographs, barely taking video. I was just like, oh, my God, we just got to get through this week, make sure every everyone, you know, leaves uninjured. Um, but the last night of that program, um, up at CMH, uh, Chris Feshmeyer, who was, you know, at the time still a, very, a man of very few words, wheels up in his wheelchair to dinner and he says, you know, um, I have something to say, and we all about fell over because we're like, Chris has barely said two words other than, you know, this is the greatest day of his life every day that he was hosting. <laughs> and he pulled out of his backpack um, um, this amazing, this this glass statue that I keep on my desk. And he said, you know, I, I can never say thank you enough. And he, he, here's a gift. And he sort of uh-huh. puts the gift on the table. And I'll just read you what it says because it really is um it really is you know something that means a lot to me um but he said it it says you know thank you Cheryl Jensen the Vail Veterans Program for tireless dedication to the morale and welfare of the marine veterans of Colorado and then it says let us be grateful to the people that make us happy they are the charming gardeners who make our soul, souls blossom 
So he throws that down. I am now in tears. And he just sort of looks at me and looks at everyone. He goes, okay, anyway, that's all I have to say. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I look at Chris today. He now comes to speak at some of our fundraisers. He lives lives near Buena Vista, Colorado, about an hour and 15 minutes away from Vail. I've skied with him in Telluride. I've skied with him here. I mean, he is a success story. And there is one thing that I used to keep a card on my desk for the longest time that said, you know, change one life, it is worth all the effort. And I know, I know 100% that we have changed that young man's life. And, you know, I, I can't, it's, you know, I get emotional every time I talk about them. So sorry. No, it's, it's a tremendous story. Was he, was he a skier prior to doing your program? And if I remember right, don't quote me, he was a um, definitely a surfer. He grew up in Southern California. Um, and I think, you know, I, I don't want to, I can't remember. I don't want to ask that. I don't want to answer that because I'm not sure. Um, I do know, though, that um, that heli ski trip was something I will never forget, nor he will ever forget. Like if I, during his kind of dark times when I don't get a response email from him, uh, I put in the subject line, heli skiing, and he always responds. I'm like, Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> now I don't have to do that. He actually responds on his own for whatever reason I'm contacting him. But um, but uh, such a great success story. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the specific programs. But before we do that, I just want to note that all of them are free of charge for your veterans. I think we all know that Vale is not exactly a uh, bargain vacation destination. So how are you able to provide this experience? Because this is, when I say free of charge, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe this means... Uh, airfare, uh, hotels, meals, uh, skiing, lessons, lift tickets, everything. So how are you able to do all that? Yeah, great question. And, you know, thank you for pointing that out because sometimes I forget to tell people that we don't charge the vets anything, nor their children, nor their um, spouses to attend any of our programs. And so really, you know, it's, you know, if I look at, you know, through time when the first year we had to raise, you know, about $3,500 to make that first program work to where we are today, you know, raising about $1.8, million, $1.9 million to make it work. And so it really took this community in the beginning, the, the community of Eagle County and the Vail Valley to, um, to embrace this and step up and, um, as I said, roll at the red carpet at the restaurants and, and you know, Vail Resorts is one of our largest sponsors that we have. Um, it, it just takes a real team effort and it really, you know, shows, I think, people's patriotism. If given the opportunity to, you know, provide a discounted meal or provide a, um, you know, a gift for the vets, I mean, people um, are on board. And um, so we have been so, so lucky that we have had so many incredible private donors, um, big sponsors like Wounded Warrior Project and Vail Resorts and Safeway Foundation um, and many, many others, Infant Hero Foundation, I mean, the list goes on and on, of, of people who have really just said, this is important. We see what you're doing. We see the outcomes we hear about it from other vets. We know what you guys are doing is spot on, 100%. Um, you know, one of the best programs that 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 is out there for for newly injured and programs that you know this program was not afraid ever to kind of think outside the box. And we listened. You know, so if all of a sudden, you know, I'm talking to a spouse years and years ago, and she's talking about you know her husband at, at the time is a, is a triple amputee. And she said, it's so hard for me. I have a physical job, an emotional job, 
you know, we're going to have twins. I, you know, I just, my hands are full. And I said, well, what mm-hmm. about if we started a caregiver program, you know, really mm-hmm. focus in on the, on the real caregivers and give, give, you know, still to this day, women, um, the time just for themselves, you know, give them a few days to just, you know, be together. And, you know, the caregiver program is, is truly one of, one of the most incredible programs. I mean, all of our programs are incredible, but, you know, that one in particular to watch these women really come together and heal together and share stories and best practices and stories about their kids. And, and, and yet we can provide them time to go to a spa, take a nap, have dinner together, um, go on a rafting trip, teach them a few things. We have an incredible course that we take them through. And so it's, you know, it's really, it's, it's really, really powerful. Yeah. I want to really focus on that for a moment. When I read and understood that you actually bring their families, their spouses, their children, I thought that was really remarkable. Uh, When did you start, including the families, and why have you made this a priority? You know, I think, in the, well, in the beginning, I'll just say that, you know, it really was financial. You know, I, I didn't know where this was going, what we were doing, and, and you know, all of a sudden I was like, okay, well, now we're three years in, and some of the people getting injured, you know, Colonel Gatson, as I mentioned before, was older, um, and he was injured, lost both his legs and had two young kids. And so I started to see, cause I was you know, in the beginning, I was traveling back to all those hospitals to, you know, meet with people, re- recruit, um, trying to get people interested in, in coming. And, um, you know, I just had to do that the first couple of years. And after that, it sort of it definitely sold itself. Uh, yeah. but, you know, all of a sudden I started to see that there were, there were families involved. And so I just thought, you know, I think it was maybe in like 2007, we had our first kind of family summer program. And it was really an incredible experience to watch these kids, you know, say things like, this is the first time I've seen my dad smile since he got injured. Or Mm -hmm. I never thought our family could go on a family vacation together. So you weren't just healing the veteran, you were also healing the children who could finally see that their that their their parents could still do things even mm-hmm. even if they were in a wheelchair, and I think that for me was like this aha moment of okay, we started with summer family, let's start a winter family program, and so that's kind of how you know that progression went. Um, mm-hmm. Summer program was started in kind of a funny way. I was back in Walter Reed visiting the hospital and then in the physical therapy area and meeting some of the vets and meeting you know, their parents in some cases or families and you meet this one young man who just said, well, ma'am, I, th- I think it's great what you're all doing, but I hate the snow. And I'm like, you yeah. do? I go, well, would you come in the summer if we started a summer program? And he goes, oh, yeah, I would definitely come in the summer, but I'm never going there in the winter. And so it was like, okay, let's try it. And, of course, you know, it, it worked well, and, you know, here we are still doing it until this day. Um, so, um, yeah, so I think it was really, you know, the healing part of the entire family was really important, but it also came down to a, a financial. I mean, we had to raise a lot more money to make that, to make it work. And we were able mm. to do that and, you know, still to this day, be able to host, you know, these, these, you know, wonderful, incredible families, incredible families. And what kind of stuff are they doing in the summer program? 
Oh, my gosh. Um, um, We're doing everything from whitewater rafting to Jeep tours, rock climbing um, outside. Are these all Vail Valley? Um, All in the Vail Valley, yeah. Um, And then, well, you know, like rafting as an example is on the Colorado River, so you end up in Mm -hmm. Glenwood Springs. Mm. Um, But we take them, um, you know, we we do Jeep tours, which, you know, for the family is just a great family experience. Um, you know, we also provide babysitters. Um, so we have a, a big babysitting service <laughs> that we do mm-hmm. because some of the kids are a little young for some of the activities. Um, we go zip lining, mountain biking. Um, and then, you know, in our, um, we don't do golf during our summer family program because we have a very golf specific program that we do typically in August. Um, so a lot of different activities and, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's some horseback riding is another one, which is a great family experience. So a, a little bit of everything. I mean, it's hard for them to choose because they only have so many days here, so they can't necessarily do everything. And they're like, oh, right. we, you know, we want to do this and that and this. And and so we end up, you know, being able to accommodate most of what they want to do. Um, but it's an incredible family experience, that's for sure. So you have the winter programs, obviously are, are ski focused. You have the summer programs you just described. You went over the caregivers programs and you touched on the family support programs. Uh, I believe uh, there's also the veterans path to success and resilience training programs. Can you tell us a little bit about those? Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, the veterans path to success has been incredible. And again, you know, I, I truly believe life is about timing. And I found myself at the Oakley headquarters in Southern California for a, what they call an innovation summit. And we were the only adaptive sports program that was invited to go. And um, there I happened to meet Dr. James Lair, who's the sports psychologist, but he also is the one who started the Human Performance Institute based in Orlando. And um, I met him, we had a conversation, and I said, hey, you know, what do you think if we brought one of our, you know, brought a couple of vets to go through your program in Orlando? And he said, he goes, no, he goes, let's do it. That's great. And so we did. And I thought, well, you know, we'll see if it had any life-changing experiences for this one young man, Daniel Riley, that we had taken. And it truly, truly transformed his life. So we realized we were onto something. Long story short, Johnson & Johnson, who owns the Human Performance Institute, um, they became one of our biggest sponsors to really launch this program. And so when we started it, we started to have, you know, a group of no no bigger than 20 vets attend these programs. And it has really been unbelievable. I mean, and whether it's something you went through six years ago or it's something that you've gone through it recently, um, it still has a huge impact. Colonel Dave, Colonel um, Gatson, who I mentioned earlier, he's lost 35 pounds during this lockdown. And he said, Cheryl, it's because I went back and I read my notes of when I attended Veterans Path to Success six years ago, mm-hmm. because finally he had time to kind of look through, define his old story, really focus mm-hmm. in on his new story of his life, and his new mission uh, of his life. And he has been incredibly successful. We also, you know, that's a two and a half day program. And then that, the follow up to that is a program called Resilience that we also do with the human performance um, trainers. And the Resilience program is just kind of a reminder of everything that you went through in the two and a half day. And it has had incredible, incredible impacts. And, you know, I'm just, I'm so proud of these vets who kind of take that leap of faith to attend something that is a really can be a very tough, very, you know, hard program to go through. It isn't just the fun of being outside. It's 
you know, you're doing classroom work, you're really digging deep in what you see in your future, you're learning how to eat well again, there's nutritionists that are provided, you you work out, you know, for some of them, it's like, I haven't worked out since I lost my limbs, and we, mm. we help them with figuring out those things that they can do. So incredibly successful. It's been a, it's been amazing to sort of watch um, the growth of so many of those those vets who have gone mm. through that program. Well, I'm glad to hear that individual was able to make good use out of this lockdown. I think this has really been very disruptive for pretty much everything. And and I saw from your website that you had to suspend your regularly scheduled summer programs. I would imagine that your autumn programs you're considering right now. What has the COVID-19 shutdown meant for your programs and what have you been able to do in their place? No, great question. You know, when we realized that we were not going to be having in-person programs, um, we decided to go virtual, as many organizations did, and we were providing content three days a week via a newsletter to all of our alumni uh, that had everything from, you know, health and wellness type things to kids' activities. Um, We started at what's called Veil Vets Epic Insight, which is with a psychologist, um, Dr. Carrie Elk where people could write in questions that she could answer. So we kind of, you know, we, we readjusted the mission, right? Um, I can't, I, I have a hard time saying that we're pivoting, but um, so we re- readjusted the mission. And through that, we, we started to realize, you know what, let's, let's really focus in on our vets and how we can help them at home. So we started a new program called Our Mission Continues, which provides at-home grant awards where people can apply. They have to fill out an application, invitation only. And there are six categories that they can choose from, the first one being emergency financial services, which is mostly what we've been seeing. So people who have gotten behind, their their spouse is laid off, they're not working anymore, um, you know, they got behind the mortgage payments, rents, utilities, so we, would, we have been able to help with that. We've also done a lot of um, 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 meal support, you know, where you can hire those companies to send food for food security and just giving caregivers a break where they don't have to go to the store, you know, five days a week. They can actually right. know they have meals coming to their home. Um, also family experiences. We've paid for a few families to be able to just take a weekend away somewhere. So it's been really fascinating. It has gone incredibly well, where I actually think that this will continue to be a part of our organization as we, as we, you know, hopefully one day get to the post-COVID world. Uh, it sounds like you've, uh, you've adapted as, as much as any of us can. I think we're all still trying to figure out where this is going and how long it's going to last. And it seems to change every week. So, so I, w- I wish you luck in, in figuring that out. And it uh, sounds like you're still able to offer some support. Last thing I wanted to ask you about here today, Cheryl, is your ambassador program, which you just launched earlier this year. Uh, what can you tell us about that program and how you choose your ambassadors? Yeah, so we, we've had the ambassadors, um, you know, for a number of years, but not using them the way that we want to use them once COVID sort of calms down a little bit. I mean, the hope right now, the ambassadors are really spokespersons for our organization um, in a fundraising um, uh, way. But also, too, our hope is that these ambassadors that we have today are kind of strategically placed across the nation where we can start to have build community within community. And so the hope is that, you know, you live in San Diego, you're one of our ambassadors. We have hundreds of our alumni that live in San Diego area that we could start having gatherings where they could have a barbecue on a Sunday that we that we sponsor or do a kids activity. So we start to build community and community. And that's the goal of uh, the ambassador 
program as we start to, you know, kind of move forward where we can start to have gatherings again. But we also use them for fundraising. Like if I need, I'm having a, you know, a fundraiser in Denver and I need someone to speak, you know, I, we would usually go to that ambassador list first to find, um, to find people to come in and be a part of that program. Well, Cheryl, it sounds like you have a lot going on. If anyone's listening to this and they want to donate, how do they do that? Really simple, veilveteransprogram.org. There's a donate button in the upper right-hand side. Click on that, and yes, we uh, just know that every dollar to us is important, so no donation is ever too small, and definitely no donation is ever too big. And um, we need to support our warriors, so we need to, you know, their journey of healing isn't just a, you know, sort of a, a, a one-year process or six-month process. It, for many of them, can be a lifetime, and we need to have organizations like ours out, out there providing support to them. All right, Cheryl. Well, I cannot thank you enough for your time today. Uh, best of luck. Enjoy the rest of your summer, and I'll, I'll look forward to ski season. Maybe we'll see you out in Colorado sometime. Well, we'd love to have you out. Come out and ski with us. That's Cheryl Jensen president and founder of Vail Veterans Program. Amazing work you're doing out there, Cheryl, and amazing that you found a way to keep it going amid these COVID shutdowns. Thank you very much, Cheryl, for taking the time to share that with all of us today. And to any veterans who may be listening, thank you very much for your service. And thank you all for listening. Please subscribe to the free Storm Skiing newsletter at skiing.substack.com. Stay well, stay safe. I'm Stuart Winchester. Talk to you again very soon. The Storm Skiing Podcast is a Quicksilver Films production.